You're listening to Movie Fighters on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Go to greenlitpodcast.com to learn more. This is Movie Fighters, the show where Chris Sims and I, Matt Wilson, we watch movies and beat them up, and sometimes we interact with movies. Like, this is the closest we've ever come, I think, to fighting a movie in a literal sense. (laughs) Because we're watching a Netflix original interactive film that you may be aware of. It is... Nominally spooky. Let's call it nominally spooky. I think it's the perfect Halloween experience. This film is called Escape the Undertaker. I do not feel like it is a film. (laughs) Film is pushing it, but it is good for Halloween. Okay, so since this is an interactive film, we have already seen it. We've already experienced it. We've lived the adventure. That's right, because we couldn't watch it simultaneously because we're going to be making different choices, right? So we have both done this already, and we'll get into you know details and stuff uh, when we get into talking about the movie after the break. But I will say, Chris, you're saying it's, it's not quite a movie. Here's what it reminded me most of. Like, you might compare it to, like, a Telltale game. You might compare it to, I don't know, like an FMV game, kind of. (laughs) It felt most to me like... I wonder if you're going to say exactly what I'm thinking. I'm very very thrilled to see. on On the edge of your seat. Yeah. It felt the most to me like a ride at a theme park. Okay, you didn't say what I was gonna say. Okay, Which is, but you uh, you know those rides at theme parks where you're watching a movie, quote unquote, on a big screen, and a lot of like it is like people talking to you. The production values of Escape the Undertaker reminded me of that so much. That sort of theme park you watch a movie and also move around in your chair kind of ride you're talking about a a back to the future at universal or men in black i'm talking about a i'm talking about a days of thunder at carowinds yeah that's the love some days of thunder at carowinds (laughs) i like it when you do the pit stop and they jack up the side of the little chair you're in that's fun that's right what were you gonna say I was going to say, and Matt, I think you are dead on in terms of like production value and like the way the choices are set up. However, I do not mean this as a complaint. I mean this as a full compliment. I felt like I was playing Atmosphere, the VHS board game. Okay, Chris, you and I may have been two of the only 
owners of the board game <laughs> atmosphere. Mm-hmm. I well, I didn't have a lot of friends, so I didn't get a lot of use out of it. But exactly the same. I begged my parents to get me the VHS board game atmosphere, and I think I played it once. If only Matt, we had come into each other's lives before our mid twenties. If how old was I when Atmosphere? Please look this game up, folks. It's spelled Atmosphere, where fear is like the word fear. Instead of a PH, it's F E A R. I don't remember how old I was when that g- game came out. That had to have been like 1991, 1992. A new version of Atmosphere, The Gatekeeper, was released in 2019. That is shocking. There's an app. That it uses instead. Now, I like which makes sense because games like that. There's a Star Trek one too, where a Klingon takes over the ship and tells you to experience beach. <laughs> that's that's punishment in Klingon. Uh-huh. Uh, the player who is moving now. Those games were. I've been thinking about Castlevania two a lot lately, Matt, and how that game sucks, but. It sucks because they were trying to do things that no one had ever done before and that the technology did not support. And VHS games were that. Because now, when you've got like Mysterium and a bunch of different games that use apps and kind of integrate that stuff, like, I, I mean, Matt, uh, we haven't really talked about it on any of the shows. You're coming to visit. I would play some Atmosphere while you're here. Do you still have it? No, but there's and a do new you have version. A- oh, we could, we could play the app-based version. Yeah, I would do that. Uh, the, the atmosphere of the game, the original game, was released in 1991. So I was eight years old when that game came out. And boy, I wanted it more than anything. And then uh, I did not play it much because, as you, I didn't really have anyone to play it with. Yeah. you need You need some... There's a reason I was really into Choose Your Own Adventure books. Hold on. Wait a minute. The original game was called Nightmare. That's the game that came out in 1991. Atmosphere the Harbingers, which is the game I wanted so bad, came out in 1995. So I was 12. Yeah. I was 12. Prime, prime eighth grade. Hey, does anybody want to come over and watch some VHS with me days? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely so. Uh, But yes, I can absolutely see how you would compare this to Atmosphere. Um, Let's talk about who is Uh, in this film. Atmosphere, atmosphere, uh, uh, modern atmosphere is $54.99 on the large book website. Just so you know, just so you know. We'll, We'll ponder whether that is an acceptable business expense. Would you like to hear us do a show about playing atmosphere i would that would be if we could figure out how to do it remotely that would be a pretty amazing series like for patreon backers would you like us to do a live actual play podcast about the game atmosphere Matt, we have to do it we have to do it and i'll tell you why okay because every time we talk about doing one of these things i come up with a name for it and if the name is good, we have to do it. That's why we did the Falcris and the Wilson Soldier. That's why we're going to do jur- Journeys into Mystery. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've got other good names for podcasts that we haven't done. 
obviously. It's no power. Uh, the the uh, neighborhood watch. I still want to do my album by album gorillas podcast, uh, primatology. That's that's good. This one we would call the Dukes of Atmosphere. That's pretty good. That's yeah. pretty good. It's there's a there's a band there's a band called Dukes of Stratosphere. Mm-hmm. That's they're a good they're a good band and you should check them out. They spell Stratosphere kind of like yeah you know what we'll 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 get it later we'll get it later. Let's talk about who is in uh, this interactive film uh, because I'm I'm looking at. Uh, the IMDb page of Escape the Undertaker right now. There are four credited cast members. That makes sense, as there are four people in it. That's right. There are actually five people in it. Are you are you counting you, the viewer? No. I, oh. If you count you, the viewer, there are six. I'm counting someone who appears only in archival footage. Oh, you're talking about Glenn Kane. I'm talking about... Well, there are other people who I guess appear in archival footage. I'm thinking I'm talking about Paul Bearer. Oh yeah. Oh well Paul Bearer actually has like a pretty big role, yeah. Yeah. For, uh, for Paul Bearer is a character in this movie despite having been dead for ten years? Eight years? For a while, yeah. For he was a main his years. death was a main part of WrestleMania twenty nine. I remember Around that. Thirty seven this yeah. so eight. Eight years. Eight years. Okay. Here are the four credited cast members of the film. Mark Calloway as The Undertaker. Mean Mark. There's Ettore Ewan as Big E. There's Austin Watson as Xavier Woods. Oh, is that, is that his shoot name? Okay. I and didn't really thought of Austin Creed. His real name is Austin Watson. Interesting. But here's what IMDb lists as Kofi Kingston's name. Kofi Kingston is Kofi Kingston. <laughs> okay, okay, that's that's incorrect. Maybe he changed his name. I mean, maybe. I mean, his, his first name is Kofi. Yeah, his real first name is Kofi. I believe his last name is uh, Sarkodi Minsa. Yeah, but. Uh, he's maybe his like stage name is like his nom de plume is Kofi Kingston. Maybe he's got that sad card. Under chooses, yeah, he chooses to be credited that way. This movie is about the Undertaker living in a spooky house, but that is also like definitely just like a big new house that's built on like a fucking golf course. Yeah. I feel like this might actually be the undertaker's house. Could be. Cause it's not like, I mean, it's like, they've got it kind of like creepy decked out, but it's not like your haunted mansion or no. like, like a spooky castle. Like it's not it's, like a Scooby-Doo place. It's like if, so if a rich person who pretended to be a cowboy zombie for 30 years, like did his house up for Halloween. It looks like a house that was built in 2015 in like a gated community. Yeah, you know me, Mark's going to live in a gated community. That's exactly what it looks like. A spoiler alert, when the the New Day is walking away from his house at the end of this movie, they are like literally just walking out toward a golf course. It's wild. Anyway, so the the Undertaker is in his house. He has an urn, his classic urn that gives him his power. And the new day arrives to try to retrieve the urn. 
That is the short plot synopsis of Escape the Undertaker. Here is uh, what I would have liked from this that we definitely did not get. Okay. Any explanation of like setup at all. Like it is did the Undertaker invite the New Day over? Are the Undertaker like I, just coming I, to pay a visit to their coworker? I feel like they did pretty well explain it. But we'll get to it. Okay, they didn't, but okay. I, I think they did. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. So uh, I also want to talk about the director of this, whose name is Ben Sims. Oh, no relation. That no relation. Uh, two M's. In uh, definitely no relation. This gentleman's last name. Not a ton of directing credits for Ben Sims. Uh, directed You versus Wild Out Cold, which is another interactive Netflix thing. Okay. And a bunch of uh, other Bear Grylls stuff. Animals on the Loose, a You vs. Wild movie, Running Wild with Bear Grylls, a TV series called You vs. Wild, uh, and also uh, Barbara Windsor, a comedy roast. <laughs> that Most, seems a little bit off the beaten path. Yeah. Most of uh, Ben Sims's credits are additional crew as either a stage manager or coordinating producer on a number of seems to be reality shows, uh, such as G4's Proving Ground. And how'd you get so rich? So I'm going to say that Ben Sims specializes in what you might call gimmick TV. Not necessarily a... Oh, stage manager on Ultimate Beastmaster as well. Not necessarily a WWE guy, but someone who seems to specialize in reality programming and also interactive programming. I've I've never heard of these like Bear Grylls interactive things, but there are apparently quite a few of them. Yeah, and that that makes sense that like that would be the person that you were looking for. Cause I, I was thinking about this while I watched it not to get too ahead of ourselves, but if I have one complaint, it's that I don't really feel like there's a lot of branching in this adventure. No, it's a pretty uh, straightforward narrative path. Yeah. And but it, we, we will get into that, but it also seems like that would be really hard to do. So I don't necessarily blame them for not doing it. Yeah. Uh, that well, said, since like even this, I imagine is kind of like a, it's, it's probably pretty complicated to put together on just a technical level to do anything that that branches at all and that has like the interactivity and you want someone who is experienced in knowing how long you have to leave the camera on Biggie and Kofi kind of idling uh until I make my decision. Yeah, exactly. Um which again, we'll get into some of those details and since we are kind of getting into those details Let's just head into the break. But before we go to the break, Chris, we have to do the hottest segment in all of podcasting. It's time for a snack situation. Now, Chris, this is unlike a typical episode of Movie Fighters, where we watch the movie during the break. So you may have snacked during Escape the Undertaker. 
or or you may have snacked very recently. Uh, what was or is your snack situation? Well, Matt, uh, I just had my dinner, mm-hmm. uh, which was very tasty. It was, it was it was good. It was good stuff. As you know, I am in my uh, new home state of uh, Minnesota. I'm in Minneapolis, which is where I live now, where I've been craving Waffle House like I have never craved Waffle House before. Don't know what you got till it's gone. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I, I did know. I was very familiar with what I had before it was gone. Matt, I mean, you know, I go to Waffle. I went to Waffle House on the rig. Uh-huh. But I'll tell you what Minneapolis has to offer. I'll tell you what Minnesota has to offer. Multiple varieties of local root beer. Okay. There is local root beer. There's like five different brands of like widely available local root beer, which I'm into because I love root beer. Uh, I've had I've had 1919, which is very good. But uh, right when we started recording, I cracked open uh, a Kill Brew, old-fashioned root beer with the Hall of Fame taste. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, I believe, is named for a baseball player. Because uh, they do like a baseball player whose name is Kilbrew, like the guy from like the guy from X Men comics in the nineties. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Kilbrew. Is it Harmon Kilbrew? Uh, yes. According to yeah. this signature that's on here, it looks like yeah. F- famous twin. Famous, famous Minnesota twin. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and it's tasty. If you uh, if you get a chance to have it uh, out there, listeners, it's a good root beer. Because that's the thing. All this root beer that I've had, it's good. It's real good. Chris, if you want to know how I pulled a Harmon Killebrew like that, I used to be a baseball card collector. Really? Yeah. We've never discussed this. I was very young when I did that. But I remember that Harmon Killebrew had a particularly valuable baseball card. Because mm. I got really into like remembering and, and uh, memorizing that kind of stuff. When I was... Roughly seven. Now, did that uh, like collector mentality and kind of memory for like kind of trivia, for lack of a better word, did that ever come in handy like in your adult life, or did that persist at all? No, it was pretty useless. Okay, I'm I'm sipping on a kill brew. Hear that? That's the can. Matt, what are you snacking on right now? Uh, well, Chris, it is indeed uh, Halloween, spooky season. October. So you know I got a plastic pumpkin full of candy, baby. Buddy, I'm so excited to have a house now because it's gonna be it's gonna be buck at Halloween. I hope you, you know what it is. Everybody's cooped up. I hope you get some trick-or-treaters because I have sorry. a I've owned a house for like four years and I've never uh, never had a trick-or-treater. How here. many people on your street have the twelve foot skeleton? A zero. Seems like this neighborhood is is skeleton country, my man. <laughs> uh, Marlene wants one very badly, but it is six hundred dollars. Yeah, man, it's a skeleton. It's, it's twelve a huge feet tall. Skeleton. Yes, I don't have that kind of uh, walking around money to spend on a skeleton. I wish I did. Anyway, I got this this pumpkin full of candy, and it's got all Dance, my favorites. Dance and macabre around money. Yeah. Uh, all my favorites, Reese's Cups, Peanut Candies from uh, M&M Mars Corporation. Isn't the, it weird the, that... Marshall Mathers Mars Corporation. Isn't it weird that 
they call it Eminem Mars when one of those M's stands for Mars. What is the other M stand for? You know, I used to, I've looked it up in the past. I've got some good candy. Uh, I had to like really go all around to find this, some Starbursts. The Starburst people seem to be really pushing Starburst pops this year, which I do not want. Yeah, we talked about doing Starburst pops for snack situation, and I tried my best to wriggle out of that one. And you did. I, uh, did. But I had to really go out of my way to find actual Starbursts, but I did. Uh, M&M stands for Mars and Murray. Spelled M-U-R-R-I-E. So when they say Eminem Mars, what they're saying is Mars and Murray Mars. I love to eat some Mars and Murray Mars candies while I read my Detective Comics comics. <laughs> so I got candy. Uh, I was eating candy I during... I I have enough money when I go to the automatic teller machine machine. That's right. Uh, I was eating candy while I watched Escape the Undertaker, and I'll probably sneak some candy while we record this. All right, Chris. That's our snack situation. Let's go to the break. If you want to experience escape the undertaker it is on netflix uh whether you experience it or not you're going to hear a musical sting and some ads for other shows on the greenlit podcast network then we're going to come back and talk about escape the undertaker hi i'm steve and i'm jp and we host a little podcast called whatever Whatever, nerd Nerd. a bi-weekly nerd culture podcast where we talk about subjects such as Games, comics, movies, voice acting. And did I mention games? You did. Join us every other Tuesday at whatevernerd.com. Or wherever you get your podcasts. On Apocrypals, we talk about the parts of the Bible that a lot of people skip over. Like the wizard battles. The angel jacuzzis. A goat full of sins. 500 drunk elephants. And a man named Porky Party. And yes, that's all really in there. All this and more on Apocrypals every other week on the Greenlit Podcast Network. And we are back to talk about Escape the Undertaker, uh, which begins with a helpful reminder of who The Undertaker is. If you don't know who The Undertaker is, which I'm funning, I did realize after watching this that this is for children who may actually not be as familiar with The Undertaker as we are. Yeah, probably not. The Undertaker... Here's what's wild about this to me, Chris. Tell me if this is also wild in your opinion. Okay. When we are introduced to The Undertaker, he explains how he is a supernatural being powered by an urn. Uh Uh-huh. And the urn that powers him needs to consume souls to stay powered. He lives in a creepy house. He spends a lot of his time doing metalworking. A creepy new construction house where he does metalworking and presumably builds coffins. Yeah. We see him create two keys and then fuse those keys together into one uh, to open a device that contains his urn. 
Then we see a bunch of him, a bunch of clips of him doing pro wrestling. Because in this continuity, in this universe, he is also a multi-time world champion pro wrestler. Yes. But I mean, like, in the, okay, in the world of pro wrestling, though, The Undertaker is a dude with magic powers. Yes, that is true. I I guess the, the, the part that's getting me hung up is if he had all these other hobbies and if he had all this other stuff that was going on and he was on constantly on a quest to obtain souls of human beings. Uh-huh. What drives him to do competitive fighting? Well, Matt, that's an intriguing dragon to chase. It, I, you, you know what? You're right. You're right about that. I mean, look, I, there's... Men have theorized that perhaps he is fighting demons and sending them back to the hell prison of Stygian. As you know. <laughs> as the short-lived Undertaker comic series uh, tells the tale of. This is something wrestling fans have to square. It's how this supernatural... Have to square circle. Have to square circle. How this supernatural being with magic powers... Also, is just like I'm gonna go do the Hell's Gate submission in a ring. <laughs> a thing that we don't talk about enough, and that that I know you know because you've talked about it before, is that the Undertaker is kind of the last and most successful of the occupational gimmicks. Yes, where people don't people don't like to say the Undertaker was an occupational gimmick, but he absolutely was because an Undertaker is an occupation. Yeah, and he used to make coffins. Yeah, he he was an undertaker when he debuted. Yeah. So, you know, there was there was a time in wrestling when every wrestler it was their second job. You could be like like uh Thurman Sparky Plug was a, a race car driver or uh or uh Duke the no, I guess Duke Trossi wasn't. I'm thinking of uh TL Hopper. Isaac Yankum makes an appearance in this. Isaac Yankum DDS, he was a dentist, but not That's a real right. dentist. He he makes an appearance in this as a corpse, yeah. which is that raises a lot of questions. Oof. Uh, and of course, you know Bret Hart murdered people for money. <laughs> uh, I, I'm here to collect. <laughs> I killed just about anything on the that walked or crawled on the earth. You you scrubs out there. You want to pay me to do a hit? I say, come in here and try it. I'll, I'll, you put that money in my account and I'll take out those hyenas. I got the jam. Anyway. You, uh, you want to talk about a dead shot? I got a <laughs> shot for you. I, uh, I made him a little New York there at the end. He did. When he is the opposite of New York. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like everything New York is not. Uh, yeah, but like, in, okay, at minimum, The Undertaker, mean Mark Calloway, mean Mark right. Calloway. Yeah. A t- person who do not find out anything about his real life. The most vicious striker in all of WWE. Deadliest striker. Oh, man. He's such a deadly striker, man. Uh, he was an undertaker 
who undertook to support his pro wrestling dream. Then, then he became possessed by demons or, or, or made a pact with demons or became a zombie and did get magic powers at one point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But the magic powers he got were from the Howard power who did end up just being a dude. Vince McMahon, Vincent yeah. Kennedy McMahon, who was the it higher was, power. It was him, Austin. Yeah. Uh, he had some acolytes at one time. Uh, he, he, then he became a biker for a while. And, yeah. uh, he was still down with the devil. Th- that's right. Uh, and then he kind of became a hybrid of all of that, um, which I guess is what he remains today. He's, then, then he became an old cowboy. He's rocking that braid throughout this, this <laughs> film. He does not look good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So I want to talk about the first choice that you can make as a viewer, because uh, the undertaker asks, um, are you ready to try to escape me? I thought this was really, I, I thought this was fun, but could have been more fun. So the choices are I'm ready or I'm too scared. And if you choose I'm ready, the, the movie just continues. If you choose I'm too scared, you get a quick fake credit sequence. Which is very funny. Where every credit is The Undertaker. It reminded me of the old uh, MW blog credits. Oh, where the, the uh, what was it, movie recut comics? Yeah. Where it was the same credits as the last panel every time? Yeah. And it was literally like you know the the credits example from like from like uh, Adobe Premiere in like two thousand three. Yeah, it was very funny. Thank you. Um, but the, the fake credits, and then the Undertaker's like, "Did you think it would be that easy?" And then the movie progresses as it would uh, if you had chosen the other choice. I was really hoping that you would choose I'm too scared and then it would do the fake credits and then like fake drop you into something else. Like an episode of great British baking show or, or like, like any, like, like a show for babies, Coco lemon, whatever that show is. Anything that Netflix has for like children. I thought that would have been a good gag. That would have been funny. Especially if like, then the undertaker showed up on that show and was like, no, you're going into my haunted new construction subdivision house. Yeah. So uh, whatever you choose on that first choice, we then see the new day. Biggie, Xavier Woods, and Kofi Kingston arrive at the Undertaker's house, and they ring his doorbell. And Chris, they do explain that they were thinking – they should add something to the power of positivity. And they thought that that thing should be the undertaker's urn. That is the entire explanation for them arriving at the undertaker's house. Yeah, that's not really that much of an explanation. And it's not a satisfactory one. No, it's the easiest, like, explain it away, we just need the New Day to be here kind of thing. That said, it's not that different than any episode of, like, Scooby-Doo, where the gang just shows up and says, we heard something was going on at this haunted house. 
Am I wrong? Yeah, but like, I, I wish it would have had something to do with like the the universe of WWE, the WWE universe, if you will. I Where wish like, the New Day had gone to WWE HR and said, "We have a complaint. <laughs> we want to lodge against the Undertaker. Please tell us his address." Yeah, like they did get his address somehow. Yeah, I mean, like, well, because it's clearly just the dude's house. Which that's the funniest thing about this entire thing for me is like that it's just uh it's not a creepy house. It's, it's just, just a house. Just a house. They, they, they try to again, they try to make it look a little creepy. There are some like lit braziers outside, and the new day call attention to that. Do you think this is like one of those houses in LA that like they just rent out for um for adult films? And then some dude was like, well, I mean, uh, Brazzers got it this weekend, but I mean, we'll get the cleaning service in here if you want to come by on Monday and start filming. I, I think it is definitely not The Undertaker's real house. No, he would do, like, first of all, first of all, there's not enough Blue Lives Matter shit in it. Uh, uh-huh. Right. Uh, but yeah, like, the, they he would not have filmed in his own house. It, like, Michelle McCool on the side of every shot frowning. Okay. It is not a rental house in L.A. It is 1,000% a rental house in Orlando. And I know that they have these because I've been to one. That's right, because you did the work thing. Yes. Your former job, my current job, until this year, until COVID times, does a retreat annually – uh, where they rent a big house and people stay there, and because everybody works remotely, so they want to have like a week where people get together, you know, are together and working together, and they go do activities and stuff. Like they gave us a free day at Disney World in Orlando, and they rented this huge house in Orlando, and there's a whole subdivision that is just those kind of rental houses. Okay. I take it back because that does seem like it would be the creepiest place on earth. Maybe not the most haunted, but definitely like creepy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is absolutely one of those. And I bet dollars to donuts it is in Orlando. Anyway, the New Day tries to explain what they're there for. And the Undertaker hilariously locks the door on them. But then he remembers that the urn needs souls. So he lets them in. Well, he kind of he kind of does a like, yeah. He's doing a ritual, so he kind of does a like. That's the thing; it doesn't make sense. He should have invited them. Like he should have been like, "Hey, come over, and if you can last, you know, twelve hours in my in my un- under mansion, then I'll give you I'll I'll give you the shot at WrestleMania. All three of you. Yeah, th- there are no wrestling stakes here yeah instead the the movie really wants the new day to desire this urn like they want the urn really bad until they don't which we'll get to the the urn has a lot of power in it yeah it does the power power slash power positivity i can see how they made the connection it's not well explained also when the New Day is introduced. We also get clips from WWE programming of them 
and some voiceover about what they do. And it's Kofi Kingston's high-flying acrobatics, the strength of Big E, and Xavier Woods' strategy. Uh, Okay. I thought that was a little weird, too. But to be fair, that is kind of all three of their gimmicks, right? Because Big E, I mean, if you have seen him, he is a he is a brick wall of a man. Yes, he is thick. He, he's extremely strong. Yes. Like legit super strong. Kofi, very acrobatic. He always does the thing at the Royal Rumble, very fun. And Xavier Woods, like the like they would always talk about him getting his PhD. Right. Xavier Woods, part of his gimmick is that he is smart. That is true. Yeah. And he often serves well when they were a trio on the same show. He would often serve as kind of the manager of the other two, who would often be the tag team, yeah. even though he would get in and be part of the tag team. You know, I guess he's got to have his own third thing, so strategy, fine, whatever. I just thought it was strange. Also, all of those voiceover parts, I found this to be quite weird, Chris. It's not archival voiceover. No, it's Michael Cole going into the booth. It's Michael Cole and the other guy who's on SmackDown right now, Pat McAfee, going into the booth and doing commentary over old footage. Because I guess they didn't want to pay JBL. (laughs) Oh man, this thing would have all been worth it if they got JBL going, I have heard about the Punjabi prison, but I did not think it existed. I, I bet I know exactly what it is. I bet some of those clips definitely had JR commentary. Mm. Mm, and they didn't probably, want JR yeah. in this movie. J- J- AEW's Jim Ross. Which that that's whatever. Michael Cole is the voice you hear on the show every week. Yeah. And I don't like, look, I, this is generic enough that, that Cole not Cole, if he took two takes on this, I will eat my shoes. Yeah, he he very much did the I'm doing voiceover for a video game calls here. But the other guy, Pat McAfee, was the weirder one for me because he's been working for WWE as a commentator for like less than a year. Yeah, I have no idea who that is. He's, you know, he's a guy who works for WWE. Anyway, he's got like a popular podcast, I guess. Like more popular than this one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So (laughs) when the New Day gets inside, they each become aware of different things. Kofi hears whispers upstairs. He hears voices in his head. They counsel him. They understand. They talk to that's, him. That's another guy's gimmick. That's gimmick infringement. That's true. He hears whispers upstairs. Xavier sees fog coming from downstairs. And Big E sees lights coming from the ground floor behind a curtain. What did you pick here, Chris? Uh, I chose to follow Biggie. So did I. I did. I did as well. Although I eventually went back and saw all three. So Biggie, I did. I did not like. I wanted to keep like a canon version of this in my head, so I only went through once. I I did a few different branching paths, and I I'm glad I did, Chris, because I can inform you of something you should go back and absolutely see. <laughs> is it? Is it? Xavier Woods going to the basement mortuary morgue. Uh, that happens no matter what you do. Okay. Oh, you mean following Xavier into the fog? Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's that's not it. But anyway, if you follow Big E, 
he goes into what looks just like a regular ass living room where he sees the urn. He sits down in the undertaker's chair, which is the undertaker's symbol. He it's, it's the undertaker's throne. Yeah. And he sits down and he goes, I'm a king. This feels right. Is this symbolic? Yes. Uh, where, this where feels good. Michael Cole? I don't know. Good question. And eventually he feels the power of the urn overtaking him. A ritual begins to steal his soul. Uh, and Kofi and Xavier come rushing back to see that his soul is in the process of being taken. If you follow Kofi up uh, upstairs, he notices several weird paintings, including a painting of Paul Bearer and a painting of a ritual around like a burning stake. And uh, he looks around in a library in a while before he gets called back. Xavier goes downstairs and is in like a creepy hallway for a while and sees some like equipment and stuff. So th- this d- different choice isn't all that exciting. Yeah, I will you, admit. You do eventually see all of that stuff when they reunite and they're wandering around. Yeah. So whatever choices you make, they do reunite and decide that they have to go find the key to the device that has the urn inside of it to stop the ritual. I believe the undertaker explains this to them. And you have the choice of going upstairs or downstairs to look for the parts of the key. Doesn't matter which one you do. You have to do both. Yeah. So if they go upstairs, they go into a library, they look around, Big E opens a book that has a vial inside that's marked power. Uh Uh-huh. And he is given the choice, you are given the choice as the player, to keep the vial or get rid of it. What did you choose, Matt? To keep it. Why on earth would you get rid of it? There's not a lot of actual choice in this. (laughs) I, I will say, every time one of those choices happens, and like... Xavier Woods says one thing and Kofi says the other thing. Like each of them recommends a different choice. Kofi always recommends the wrong choice. Yeah, well, it's Xavier Woods. He's the strategy, Matt. He's he's the strategist. You should listen to the strategist. Um, So obviously we both chose to keep the power vial. Uh, So Biggie shoves that in his pocket. Okay. Did you go through and not pick this? Because I'm very curious – as to if you can lock yourself into a fail state that early. Okay. Well, I want to get into the idea of fail states later. Okay. That, that is the only one I did not try of not taking the power vial. So I don't know what happens when you don't do that. Okay. The next choice is you can either stay with Big E and Xavier as they try to get a key out of an alligator's mouth because – Xavier noticed in the painting of the ritual that there's a key inside an alligator's mouth. So they like Big E gets on Xavier's shoulders, which seems wrong to get this. Like there's a device on the floor that opens the alligator's mouth and they like go around trying to get it. You can stick with them and watch them get the key or you can follow Kofi into a secret room behind a bookcase. I would strongly suggest following Kofi. I absolutely did. Okay. As much as I, you know, I love a physical bit. 
the the physical bit is funny enough ish, but yeah. if you follow Kofi all into the secret room, genuinely hilarious. <laughs> okay, but let's see if we agree on the part of this that is hilarious. Because okay. what Kofi does is he goes into this room and he sees uh, Paul Bearer on a TV screen. He sees a bunch of TV screens. He sees like a whole thing of surveillance equipment and sees that the undertaker has been surveilling him and the rest of the new day, like watching their every move, not only in this house, but also on WWE programming. So he's got, he's got some clips pulled up. So he knows them really well. And then he sees like, I feel like we should have been like, man, we have worked at the same place for 16 years. Yeah. I believe Kofi has had matches with The Undertaker. He definitely has had matches with The Undertaker. <laughs> uh, but he gets he gets scared of this, and then Paul Bearer pops up on the screen in like some recut video sequences and recut dialogue from promos, where he tells Kofi, "You must face my Undertaker." And you get the choice to either face the Undertaker or escape. Now, if you escape, the movie continues. If you choose to face the Undertaker, I choose Chris, to face the Undertaker. You see, the, the Undertaker walks in with just a, shit. a fucking roast beef sandwich. Yeah, Undertaker went to go get a sandwich. He and has he just a walks back in with it. He has. The plate on white fucking Wonder Bread <laughs> on a regular plate, just a roast beef sandwich. It is unbelievably fucking funny. He's in full gimmick, like he's wearing like a long trench coat and like like striking gloves. The, and he just like walks in with a little white plate. Michelle makes me put it on a little plate so I don't get crumbs on her. The juxtaposition in this whole thing between like standard ass suburban home and creepy haunted house. It's, it's, I don't think it's intentionally funny, but that bit of the undertaker with the sandwich is worth watching this thing on its own. Okay. Here's the thing. I do think it's intentionally funny because like what happens if you, if you pick this option uh, is that like Kofi faces the undertaker and is immediately, I guess, murdered. Yeah. His, his, his soul is stolen. Yeah. His soul is stolen. Th- there's a lot of ways that undertaker could return to that room. Right. I think the, the dude in charge of this was like, yeah, this is never not going to look like a McMansion. Mm-hmm. Let's 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 the, play with uh, it. Let's play in the space. Funny use of that term, McMansion. Uh, a, a Vince McMansion, yes. Yeah, I. It's just so that sandwich. I had to pause the fucking thing to yeah. laugh at the sandwich because the, the thing is they don't like they don't like freeze like like have the Undertaker like stop in his tracks and do a take like he, he's in Pulp Fiction, you know? Yeah. Like, it's just like he comes back with a sandwich. Like, it's the most natural thing in the world in this situation. He's which just it kind an, of is. <laughs> he's an evil, magical demon he, who's down with the devil who has to eat. 
roast yeah. beef sandwiches. He's corporeal. That means he can be beaten, Matt. So if you, you could choose for Kofi to escape, Kofi then escapes and just like lands back in the main room where the urn is. He like crawls through a a heating duct back into the main room. Uh, Biggie and Kofi or Biggie and Xavier are also in the main room, and they have the first half of the key. If you do this first, this is when they realize they need two keys to open the urn thing. Mm-hmm. Then they go downstairs. Xavier leads the other two into the morgue inside the Undertaker's house. And when Xavier is reacts to there being a morgue with like shock, like who has a morgue in their house? Big E understandably says, well, he's the Undertaker. Great bit. Uh, they see Isaac Yankum DDS's dead body. Troubling. On uh, the slab in the morgue. Like, very troubling. I mean, for one thing, that means that, I guess, canonically, Isaac Yankum's dead. Yeah. If we are to believe that this is WWE canon, which I believe it is. Isaac Yankum, who was portrayed by Glenn Jacobs, who then went on to portray Kane, the Undertaker's brother. Right. The Undertaker now has his dead body in his home. What do you think Isaac Yankum died of? Gingivitis. Yep. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yep. Because he wasn't a good dentist. He had horrible teeth. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, he was he was specifically like Jerry Lawler's dentist, but also like an evil dentist. Yeah. And a bad so, dentist. Yeah. Like he hurt his patients. Like uh, Steve Martin. Yeah, exactly like Steve Martin. The the current wrestling dentist, Dr. Britt Baker, along with our friends Chris Rowling and L. Collins, I have fantasy booked the meeting between Glenn Jacobs, formerly Isaac Yankum DDS, and Britt Baker. Or when AEW comes through Knoxville, Britt Baker should say, oh, I heard you have a wrestling dentist as your mayor. Well, th- that figures... I'm a real wrestling dentist, and I should be the mayor of a real city. That's good. Anywho. I, th- I think, do you think Britt Baker's, like, mad? <laughs> that Isaac Yankum is in this? No, that Isaac Yankum, like, like besmirched her career. Um, like, honestly, I, both of her careers, because he was not, like, a great wrestler. I think... As Isaac Yankum, sh- Kane's, Kane's just fine. I think she's trying to restore the glory of dentistry. That's her whole career. It's trying to undo the wrongs of Isaac Yankum. Fog starts to fill the room, and Xavier, for whatever reason, is drawn to the fog. And Biggie and Kofi are like, no, don't go in that fog. That's dumb. But Xavier, the master strategist, goes into the fog anyway, and is immediately attacked by the Undertaker. <laughs> yeah, I that part was also pretty good because he's like, "What? I've been in this fog before. It's fine. <laughs> it's just fog." <laughs> he's immediately attacked by the Undertaker, and this is where you can choose to either go with Xavier or stay with the other two guys. If you go with Xavier, the Undertaker takes him into like a weird void where he tries to 
convince Xavier to leave his friends behind. And you can either choose to do that or say no, and then Xavier goes back to the main room. If you stay with Biggie and Kofi, they hang around in the room for a while and then just find the key like under glass. It's not much of a search. And uh, and so they all meet back in the main room. Now they have the second part of the key. They take the key, combine it, and open the thing to open the urn. Oh, after the first part of the key, I should have mentioned this. After the first part of the key, you have the option to either go get the second part of the key or try to smash the cage that holds the urn open. If you do that, they attempt to do it and fail, and we see a flash forward to their greatest fears, which will happen later. Yeah, that was pretty fun. But then the movie just progresses as normal after that. So, when they have both parts of the key, they open the contraption, the urn is released, but the Undertaker says, not so fast. If you want to take my urn, you must confront your greatest fears. And there's not a choice to not do that. <laughs> All three well, that, there rarely is in life. True. All three members of the New Day touch the urn, and then we get the choice of whose fear we're going to see. And Chris, did you happen to see all three fears? No. I went with Kofi because the little flash forward, which I did see, his seemed like it was going to be the most intriguing. And I have a hard time believing that the others are as intriguing because it looked like Biggie was just afraid of spiders. Okay. I have information to give you because I saw all three greatest fears. Okay. And I'll do, I'll do Kofi's first since we both saw that one. So Kofi's fear is very Kofi, interesting. Kofi's fear is actually WWE canon and yeah. like a plot point. And I think real. Because Kofi's biggest fear is being a second tier wrestler. Kofi's fear is being the weak link of the New Day. Kofi's fear is being a quote-unquote B-plus player. Good hand. And so we see him sitting in a dark room watching TV, watching clips of himself from WWE programming, being told about how he's not good enough to be a champion. Which feels very real, because even in his championship run, he got done dirty, right? He got done real dirty. I was like, it is amazing that they made this his greatest fear. But it's but that's like that's why I wanted to go with this one because it's it's like part of the story, right? That this may might not be what Kofi the guy's fear is, but it is Kofi the character's fear and like his experience, which yeah. I think if you're going to do something like this, you do need to play with that reality. It it it's interesting to me because none of the rest of this really seems to connect with any of that, right? But this one part does. Yeah. It's wild. And the choice that Kofi ultimately gets is to either try to get by on his own, still, or try to take the power of the urn for himself so that he can be a better wrestler. If he tries to take the power of the urn for himself, he fails and his soul gets taken. 
if he refuses, then movie continues. He breaks free. He faced his worst fear. So that's Kofi. Xavier's greatest fear is also wrestling-related, but only if you know wrestling lingo. Okay. Because his greatest fear is getting buried, brother. Ah, I see. That's good. So we see The Undertaker. He is in a coffin, and The Undertaker is shoveling dirt on top of it. He's getting buried alive, which is an understandable worst fear, but is also a wrestling fear that he's going to get buried. By The Undertaker? Yes. Much much like our boy Miro. <laughs> Bury me softly, brother. So I thought that was interesting, too. It's like a little middle ground between like actual fear and wrestling-related fear. And uh, The Undertaker offers him a choice of either joining him and abandoning his friends or staying with his friends the new day. If Xavier chooses to stay with his friends, movie progresses. If he chooses to join The Undertaker, you know, he fails. Big E, as you suspected, Chris, his worst fear is spiders. And it's, it's like just spiders, right? It's just spiders. He's got a big glass cube on his head, like a saw, you know, death trap. And The Undertaker's just putting spiders in there. I mean, that doesn't sound pleasant. It doesn't sound great, but it has nothing to do with wrestling. <laughs> It proves that Big E feels just fine as a wrestler. <laughs> I mean, as he should. He is the current WWE champion. But what he's actually afraid of, I guess, is spiders. Like, The Undertaker just says, I heard you don't like spiders. <laughs> and so he's pouring spiders into the glass case on his head. And Big E's, you know, acting scared. And he says, unless you want me to put more spiders in here join me and abandon your friends. So you can either have Big E join the Undertaker or stick with his friends the new day. So you like, know what when, happens. When you join the Undertaker in in these, do you get like an Undertaker version of Kofi Kingston? Well see, Kofi Kingston is the only one who does not have the option to join the Undertaker. Or like an Undertaker version of Xavier Woods, I guess. Like like does he like, you know, do you get an Xavier Woods with like a long coat and a hat going no. like rest in peace or anything. You know, anytime someone's soul is taken by the urn, their eyes turn purple. That's the extent of it. Okay. That's what they have. The eyes are not purple. Yeah. They have purple glowing eyes. That's, that's the indication that their soul has been taken by the urn. Uh, but I do think it's interesting that of the three of them, the only one who does not have the option to join the undertaker is Kofi. Kofi's Kofi's pure. Kofi is only given the option to use the power of the urn for his own personal gain, not to join the Undertaker, uh, which I thought was strange. Whatever success you get from the three worst fears, we then cut ahead to all three members of the New Day finding themselves in coffins, and they climb out of the coffins and uh, face down the Undertaker, who is doing some more metalworking, and who tells them, I was just going to steal Big E's soul, but now that you're here, I'm going to take all your souls. 
That's exactly how he says it, too. Then there's a fight sequence where you first get to choose who attacks The Undertaker first. Whoever it is, they fail. I picked uh, Big E on this I one. Did too. I did and too. I was I was a little bit mad. Because I was hoping for at least like a couple of moves. But Big E like, picks up a stick and then gets like, you know. Knocked like, away. Knocked away. Yeah. That's what happens with all three of them. And yeah. they realize that they have to work together to do this. So then there's like a fight sequence that culminates with the Undertaker rising into the air, levitation style, and zapping all three of them with lightning, where they fall down. But then they get up, and they manage to hit the Undertaker with like like a steel pan, I think, is what he ultimately gets hit with. Then Kofi and Xavier think of the good idea to wrap up the Undertaker with chains and tie him up to a table. Which leaves Big E right there next to the urn. And Big E can decide at this point to either try to take the urn or destroy it. Yeah. Now, Chris, what did you pick here? Oh, I, I picked uh, destroy it, Matt. Okay. If you pick destroy the urn. I was playing to win, buddy. If you pick destroy the urn, Big E pulls that vial of power out of his pocket. Well, because because there's a part... Again, I, I kind of like this, but it's a very, like, atmosphere VHS game sort of thing to do. There's a part where, like, Undertaker's like, you don't have the power to destroy my urn. <laughs> then he literally drinks a vial of power. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, picks up a sledgehammer and does smash the urn. I don't know what happens there if you don't have the vial of power. I suppose the game the the game, quote unquote, goes to fail. But I'm I'm so curious about that because that's like that is a choice you make significantly a, a significant earlier. amount of yeah. time before this, yeah. Yeah. So Biggie smashes the urn and the urn disappears and the undertaker disappears. And the Duday's like, where'd they go? And they also they notice an open coffin over on the side of the room. They walk over to the open coffin, and it teleports them outside. And they walk away saying, like, it's a new day. That's the name of our group. We won. We beat The Undertaker. And then they, like, you know, dance away. If you choose for Big E, he's got cat eyes. I wish. Man, I wish I that wish. was the. That would have been great. If you choose for Big E to try to take the urn, they are immediately teleported outside, and you get just kind of like a half victory ending. They still walk away like alive, but they're like, what happened? Where did we go? What ha- what th- what happened? And then you, there's a quick scene of the Undertaker and the Urn, who are still, you know, in power. And those are the endings. Chris, what are our high points for Escape the Undertaker? Just generally speaking, I I liked it. I I liked it a lot, and I was thinking about like my my initial thought was like I'd love to see them do some more of these. And then I had the thought, who else could you do this with? 
Yeah. That my biggest high point of this is the new day. Yeah, the the new day is 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 great. And they're kind of the perfect like they are naturally charismatic. They act they like each other and they get along really well on camera. They have a good like comedic chemistry. They're kind of the perfect road to group for WWE. Yes. They are the only people in WWE, the only performers who could do this. Yeah. I don't they're know. The, they're the only ones who work as a comedy group. They're the only ones who work as Abbott and Costello in Frankenstein's castle. Yeah. They're, they're the only ones who you could do this kind of thing with because nobody else in WWE has friends. Correct. It, no other baby faces, at least. They're all everybody else who has friends is their heels. Yeah, WWE has this very weird thing of you you can't have friends if you're a good guy, because only bad guys have friends. So strange. It's one of these days we're just gonna sit down and like like think about we're gonna talk about all the stuff we know about Vince McMahon just from watching this television show for twenty years. Yeah. It's WWE babyface. WWE has had a babyface problem for forty years, but uh, yeah. we can't get into all of that. The New Day is perfect for this, though, and they're the only reason this works. Yes, yes, and, and you know, to to his credit, like I, I clown on on Mean Mark quite a bit for good reason, but like the Undertaker is also kind of the perfect character to be an antagonist for this in this exact way where he is like a evil devil man, but also he does have to go get a sandwich every now and then. And like, he, he submits text- this, he submits this feeling like a theme park ride. Yeah. And I texted you like, I was like, Hey man, mean Mark's got some real tall man vibes. It's true. The, the way he says things like, now I'm going to take all of your souls is just cheesy enough. Yeah. It, for this it, to work. Ac- it actually seems like he's having fun, but like in a way that he's like enjoying the performance of it. He's, he's not like, you know, I mean, look, it's, it's pretty easy. The line between phoning this in and putting your all into this is razor thin. I think because there's not much to it. But, like, he seems like he's playing in the space. Yeah. He seems like he's going with it. And that's, you know, I mean, look, it's not the dumbest thing The Undertaker's ever been asked to do. Chris, uh, may I start the low points? Uh, yeah. I said I was going to bring up fail states later. One of my biggest low point is points is there are no real fail states here. There is no game over. If you make a wrong choice, you just get a message that pops up that says, go back. And you just go back to the last choice. Which, I guess, functionally, is how you have to do this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But in terms of doing an actual choose-your-own-adventure, it takes away the stakes. You know? Yeah, it doesn't feel like you've actually failed. At no point do you ever feel like you actually failed in this. And I feel like that is a failing of perhaps the technology. Like, it seems like it should be better about letting you know you lost, you know? Yeah, and I think, like, 
at the very like there seems like it seems like there's a lot of stuff missing from this and i i feel like the problems with this all stem from the fact that like it is it's a choose your own adventure thing right because i think we both have the problem that it doesn't really branch there's no real fail states like like you can't yeah, I mean, lose the, the choice is an illusion at best <laughs> yeah the endings which are always the most memorable parts of any choose your own adventure uh like that one gi joe one uh that people read as children where it is possible to die in the desert and have your bones bleached in the sun. Uh, like, like those are the most memorable parts. And we don't really get those. Like I said, we don't get, you know, the undertaker possessing biggie and now biggie's the new undertaker, you know, no, at, at, at most the, the, the closest you get to seeing any kind of failure is a member of the new day opens their eyes and they're purple and that's yeah. it. And, and that's fine. I guess, but it would have been cool to see more like varied consequences. It also would have been cool to have more, like you said, branching paths. Cause really ultimately you can see a handful of different things. If you follow the different members to different places or you choose different fears of theirs and you can choose to do things in a different order, but that's about it. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's a real shame because the, the kind of choose your own adventure gimmick is what got us really excited. But I feel like this would be better as just like the new day Halloween special, you know, where, the, where they just did the story that they have clearly written. Like it needed to be, it needed to be like, 40% more Scooby-Doo. Would you believe that there is not a single scene in this where Kofi Kingston jumps into Biggie's arms? Yeah, that seems like a missed opportunity. It, it really does. Uh, the other low point that I would note is set design, which, you know, they were working with what they were working with, but it is never anything but obvious that this is a McMansion in a subdivision. <laughs> yeah. Chris, what are our final thoughts on Escape the Undertaker? I want them to do more stuff like this. Like, we have, how many of these, how many bad WWE films have we watched? Matt, the answer, a lot. Too many. Too many. Too many. And they're never what we actually want, which is, like, taking these characters and, like, you know, putting them in a slightly different context and messing with them a little bit. And that's what this does. Yeah. And it's weird to think that this would not exist without Matt Hardy, because it absolutely wouldn't. Oh, boy. No kidding. I have two final thoughts about this uh, project, Chris. One, it's the best WWE movie we've ever seen. Hands fucking down. At long last, no holds barred may lay down its burden. Wow, that was the bar. My word. Two, and this, this, get ready for a hot take. We did not intend to do a Resident Evil series that ran from September to November. But we did. But we did. This is a better Resident Evil movie than the one we watched last month. 
Because what is it? It's some characters going to a big, creepy mansion, solving puzzles and finding keys, looking at paintings for clues, making bad choices, and dealing with some not particularly great dialogue. It would not have been out of place at all if Xavier Woods said, well, Kofi, you are the master of unlocking. Yeah. It, like, as I was watching it, I was like, wow, this is so much better of an adaptation of Resident Evil than that Mila Jovovich movie we watched. So, this leads us to November, Chris, mm-hmm. which is the month of release of the new Resident Evil movie, and which gives us a new standard by which to measure that movie against Okay. Escape the Undertaker. Matt, I'm with you. I'm with you on this. I cannot believe that this turned out to be what I would consider a Resident Evil movie. At least Resident Evil inspired. Because Kofi Kingston crawls through a heating duct. Like, it's got all that Resident Evil stuff in it. I mean, it doesn't have zombies. Well, but the, under- but the, the Undertaker moves kind of like the Tyrant. The Undertaker is a chase villain, much like Nemesis or Mr. X. Mm -hmm. Or Jack from Resident Evil 7. He's very similar to Jack from Resident Evil 7, come to think of it. I I wish the New Day would fought a tall woman. Maybe in the next one. Maybe... Uh, Okay. Who's the tallest woman in WWE? I mean... I don't know if she's the tallest, but a, a Rhea Ripley type would be. Yeah, Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley, I think, would probably fit that bill best. Rhea Ripley, a Samus Aran type. Yeah, no kidding. It, when they cast the live-action Metroid movie, get that Rhea Ripley. Get that Rhea Ripley in, in the, the live-action Metroid that Matt and I will write for free. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, you said when they do the next one. and. Again, I don't know – first of all, I haven't watched WWE in a year, two years, like outside of just watching WrestleMania. And I I think I watched the Royal Rumble, uh, like a little bit of the Royal Rumble. But like there is another wrestling promotion that is on television right now that is much more welcoming to characters that I think would really work in this scenario. Mm, yeah. I would love to see Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, he's a wrestling dinosaur, do one of these. Like That sounds great. Like, escape and... the Dark Order's haunted house, or go over to Alistair Black's and steal his chalice of blood or whatever he has. And uh... fuck was Gangrel in this entire thing? <laughs> <laughs> and they could go up against a large woman. They could get Jade Cargill. Yes. Yes. So. But like... I would love to see the New Day get more opportunities to do stuff like this that were like expanded and that were a little more complex. Like if this is proof of concept, it's fine because I did enjoy it and I do like uh, I know we we walked through it, but I highly recommend just you know going through it if you're yeah. if you're in for some spooky Halloween fun. Please go see the Undertaker sandwich. The Please. Undertaker sandwich, high point, high point. 
please. I would love to see them get to do more stuff that was like, like goofy projects that kind of underscored the fact that they're like three super likable dudes. Yeah. They're so enjoyable just to like spend time with. Uh, It's great. Yeah. Very much so. Very much so. That's going to do it for the October episode of Movie Fighters. We hope you enjoyed it. And uh, even though we spoiled everything that happens in Escape the Undertaker, it's more about the journey, folks. So go do it if you haven't done it. Uh, it's like half an hour, ultimately, if you go through it you know, one time through. So fun times. We'll be back in November. I think we're going to try to do the Resident Evil movie. Uh, upon release. Uh, but that may not work out, but we'll see. <laughs> am I, I going to be able to watch that at home? I don't want to go to some building and watch it, Matt. That's, that's going to be the, the real determining factor. So uh, we will find out whether we can uh, do Resident Evil in November. If not, we'll do something else that's fun. Uh, but thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, you can send us movie suggestions at moviefighterscast at gmail.com. Uh, that is also where you can send us other info. We're on Tumblr at moviefighterscast.tumblr.com. Uh, our website is moviefighterscast.com. Uh, that takes you to our Libsyn page with all our episodes. And if you enjoy the show and you want to help us out, head over to patreon.com slash Ajax and kick in a few bucks to make sure that we do this show monthly and all our other Clytus Media shows. If you want to find my stuff online, you can go to mattdwilson.net for links to everything that I do. Chris, where can people find you? People can find all of my stuff by going to the-isb.com. Uh, probably going to write a very abbreviated version of this review for Letterboxd. You can find me on there uh, where I'm writing some jokes about movies that I watch here in the, the spookiest of all seasons. That does it. Yeah. See you next month, everybody. Keep on fighting. Keep on fighting.